If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I really try to work from a place of kindness and caring and compassion. This is downtime for me. I love sewing in the long winter evenings. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I've really challenged myself to, if I want to do something, go ahead and try it. What's really the worst that can happen? Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today, Tammy Thielman is joining me to tell us her story. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil, with needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. They're on the first and third Friday of every month, and they are usually one project from start to finish in real time, and they're streamed live. So they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm working on it. So I invite you to join me there again the first and third Friday of every month. The quilting community, as I'm sure you already know, is so diverse, so colorful, and supportive. So I invite you to listen in as we meet a new quilter each week and hear their stories. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave, like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. I have a really simple tip for you that can make all the difference in the organization of your sewing room shelves. I use magazine racks, so the type that are about four inches wide and hold a bunch of magazines standing upright in them. I use them on my sewing room shelves to organize magazines, obviously that's what they're for, but also a lot of my quilting books and patterns. Most of them are slim and perhaps don't stand up on their own, and so putting them in these simple holders just helps to keep them all upright and you can have the spines out if indeed they have a spine so that you can see them. And beyond that, I tend to organize them as well. I tend to have a holder for, you know, um, envelope style patterns and then another holder for perhaps some printed um, download patterns that I have and yet another organizer for magazines or slim books just to keep things easy to find. You know I love my coffee. In fact, I've got a fresh pot brewing right now. 
If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. There for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution or sign up for a monthly one if you so desire. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. My guest today is Tammy Thielman. Tammy has a remarkable clinical practice. She offers counseling on her farm in Southern British Columbia, Canada. Animals, corrals, forest trails, toy herds, quilts, cabins, fireside armchairs, all of these are part of her multifaceted approach to therapy. Tammy and I chat about these points of connection and also about how quilting and creating have helped to fill up her mental cup. It's so very true that the value in creating has really nothing to do with skill level and everything to do with the heart that goes into it. Tammy, welcome to the studio. I'm so thrilled to have this chance to visit with you. Thank you, Susan. It's lovely to be here. Tammy is a little unusual compared to my typical guests because quilting for her is a bit of a sideline. So we're going to take a few minutes and talk about Tammy's professional life. And later on, we'll pull quilting into it. But Tammy has a fascinating story. I'm going to let you start, Tammy, with kind of what your day job is. Oh, thank you. So I'm a a registered master's level social worker. And within that scope, I provide counseling to families and children. And they come to my farm where I have a cabin that is my office and a beautiful corral with horses and we have sheep here. So I offer nature-based equine and animal assisted counseling. That is just amazing. And having grown up myself on a farm, you know, I didn't think of it as therapy. I just thought of it as plain hard work. But I can totally (laughs) see those connections being so incredibly deep and helpful. So you, Mm -hmm. because you live on a farm, is part of it, like part of it is the animals, is part of it the land and nature, is that all tied together? I think so, yes. Yeah, I have, you know, folks who come here, little ones or older, and maybe they're not really, you know, that interested in horses. You know, they love being out in the sunshine or, you know, sitting out under a cover when it's snowing out or sitting in the cabin by the wood stove. So it really can be a blend for whatever each person relates to the most. Lots of people like to look at the horses or look at the animals and be a little bit hands on, maybe some more than others. For some people, it's really all about the animals and, and getting mental health support for others. It's being out in nature. And if there's animals around, that's wonderful and comforting too. Wonderful. Well, you are in the southern part of the province of British Columbia. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's an area that's just known for its beauty and honestly, its temperate climate. And so all those things lend themselves. I noticed in just right. scrolling through some of your photos in your website, I felt like I saw a multitude of points of connection. And you've already kind of touched on that. I saw your toy herd. I saw the playhouse that children can, you know, visualize a home, (laughs) even things like your come for a coffee virtual, you know, question and answer events. Do you find that that really that is advantageous to reach people in all these ways? And are there others I didn't see? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful to have a blend of ways of reaching people, especially when we were really in that pandemic phase when I feel like a lot of care providers had to be very quickly adapt to using different means like telehealth or phone where we really, I think many people gravitate to in-person with good reason. It's very comforting that co-regulation piece we can have with others who are calming and kind and supportive. Um, but yes, we had to kind of all adapt quite quickly and use a variety of measures to reach out to others and provide support. So how, mm -hmm. how on earth did you translate this, you know, animal-assisted <laughs> therapy and this being in nature into doing things digitally. Yes. Did, did that work? Like what were some of the ways you found to, to translate that? Yes. Yeah, it could. I'm in a rural area, so Wi-Fi or internet can be a bit um, spotty at times. But what I tried to do is just really, I mean, I did, except for the shutdown we had for two weeks, I maintained working in person outside, masking, sometimes gloving when things were really intense with the concern around transmission. So um, just really try to employ as many safety rules and follow safe practices as I could and provide it in person. But um, when I do a telehealth session, um, I really try to make it as interactive as possible. So I might not have the horses right with me, um, but I have pictures of horses that I can show the children or we can draw together taking turns on each sides, you know, of however we're communicating and really try to make it interactive and fun and um, give them something to do while we're working on therapy, all intermingled with that, if that makes sense. It does. And I bet that was a challenge. But I can see too, after I asked the question, I realized probably your sessions are one-on-one. -on -one. They're never crowd-based anyway. So maybe that was not as restrictive for you as it is for some. Yeah. I'm curious, yeah. because you mentioned your cabin, and again, you have photos of your... Yeah of your um, mm -hmm. counseling area in your cabin. Oh my word. Like who gets to sit in a comfy armchair in front of a little wood burning fire? Yeah. I, just yeah, I try to make it, it's my office. How I explain it to people is that it's my office, but it's not an office. I want it to be an, it's my office, but it doesn't look like one. So we're, we're really trying to, my approach is, um, and what I want to provide for people is that when we're together, we feel like we're not in a clinical setting. I spent many years working in very gray offices that were very clinical, and I just didn't want that anymore. And, you know, I would think your homey environment so lends itself to to comfort, of course, but just to opening up so. because it doesn't feel clinical. And that comes through in your picture right. so well. Oh, wonderful. I want it to be a really welcoming space where, um, you know, children and adults too, you know, they can play and explore and I read stories and it is very much clinical mental health support, but it's delivered in a manner, I hope, that is warm and kind and trauma-informed and really lends itself to healing. Yeah. I mean, you're using a lot of um, medical, medical is maybe not the right word, but a lot of... Um terms that have to do with your work that you do. But you know, I'm kind of translating right. that into my mind and tell me if I'm getting this right. Homey was a word I used 
I mean, it feels Excellent. like home. It feels comfortable and yeah. safe and yeah. soft and squishy. Even your toy herd, mm-hmm. like that, is so awesome. Their toy herd, <laughs> and they have little quilts. Do you work quite a lot with young kids? I do. Yes, that's a big part of my counseling practice is children. Sure. How, how did you get started? How does quilting play a part in your daily life? Okay. Well, I've I've always sewn since I was really young. But, you know, just very simple little things like doll clothes and, um, you know, making little quilts. And then as I got married and had children, I made them all like little baby quilts or baby blankets, you know, with the panels. And then I would do the backing and binding. And I love hand sewing and hand quilting. And I just never really knew a lot about all the, I mean, I've seen beautiful quilts that are very elaborate and intricate, and I never thought I could do them. Um, and then I learned, I think just through seeing that, you know, I could maybe do this too. And I, I built, or I built, I bought like some little packs of quilt, like pre-cut packs mm-hmm. of quilt fabric that I just love the kind of old fashioned vintage pattern so much. And then I thought, you just had to kind of sew it all together. I didn't realize you can buy other, <laughs> maybe low volume prints or plain material and combine it and make a larger item. So I made lots of like kind of little doll quilts. And I thought if you wanted it bigger, you had to buy more packs. And I just didn't know a lot about, I just didn't have a lot of quilting education, I guess you could say. So I just kind of played with it and made little doll things or baby things. And then as my children got bigger, I made them bigger quilts Mm -hmm. for their beds. But they were all like square blocks Mm -hmm. and very, very imperfect. And not that it should be perfect, but I just sort of did my best, you know, just cut out a block and sewed them together <laughs> and made the binding. And I would let the children choose the patterns they liked. And and then just recently here, as I have had my private practice for the last five years, I've been sewing little fun items for the children in my practice and they get to choose what they like. So I might make like just little hand sewing kind of gift bags they can take little things home in or um, little hearts with a bit of batting in them so they're like a little puffy heart cushion and we put some essential oil on it that smells nice and calming and they can choose the one they like and then I've kind of branched out from there (laughs) and then I realized you know I could do more with quilting and it just seems like the right time in my life that it really has come together and I've started doing English paper piecing. I love doing hexagon patterns with of flowers. And then I've been, I realized you can buy pre-cut packs and then add fabric to make an overall larger quilt. (laughs) Yes, right. And then I realized, you know what, this does not have to be perfect. Through listening to your podcast and to other quilters talking, saying, you know what, I didn't know what I was doing when I started, or I knew a little bit, and then I just tried it, and it ended up a bit crooked, but you can kind of stretch it. Or, And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And I, I just finished um, uh, over the winter. We have long winters. You would know about that from growing up in northern BC, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, so, yes, I... I started a beautiful, to me anyway, English paper piecing, like it's like wreaths of flowers all hand pieced together. 
And then I put it on a queen size quilt top and it has all these blocks. And um, it was really a learning process because I didn't really lay it out much before, but I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna go for it. And it's not perfect, but I love it. And I learned so much just by doing. I mean, you've hit on two important points right there. I love it. And I've learned so much by doing. That's kind of how I approach long arm quilting, which is a relatively new skill for me. I've made quilts one way or another all my life, but long arm quilting was newer. But in that first year or two Uh when I had my long arm machine, like I would just dive in. I didn't know what I didn't know. But at the end of the project, I knew more, right? So making quilts is so much like that. And and quilts are equally warm, perfect or imperfect. The beauty is in, mm-hmm. you know, the joy you find in making it. And I'm curious. Oh, like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how this, um, is this like almost a mental health therapy for you, right? Because you're giving, absolutely. you're reaching into, you're analyzing <laughs> so much. How does this fill you up? Yes. It really, for me, is a heart-centered activity. And I really try to work from a place of kindness and caring and compassion in my clinical work also. But this is downtime for me. I love sewing in the long winter evenings. Um, I just have a little Janome sewing machine I've had since um, I was pregnant with my son, which was, we have three children. And so he just turned 23. So that's how old my little machine is, but it's very faithful and we just keep chugging along. And I just love that I can, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I've really challenged myself to, if I want to do something, go ahead and try it. What's really the worst that can happen? Exactly. (laughs) And I noticed, yeah, for myself, I really relax a lot and really feel calm when I'm, especially hand sewing is very rhythmical, the hand stitching. And I think I shared with you in the, in sort of the prep for, the um the podcast here that i have a beautiful baby's quilt um you know it's quite a a rustic kind of old-fashioned design it's not fancy so to speak but it was made for me by my paternal grandmother and she had it ready for me and she did she passed away about a month before i was born but the quilt has come has been passed along and and come along with me and i i have it still and it's really special. And that really inspired my interest in quilting. I can see why it would. You know, quilting is all about heart. And if you if you didn't yes. have that quilt, what would your connection to your grandmother be? It, it's just such a tactile yes. and concrete thing. Oh, gosh, that just gives me chills hearing that. I love that. Yeah. And, and uh, my father, who I was really close to, my dad, he passed away about a year and a half ago. And that was his mom, my grandma, who made that quilt. And um, I have his ashes, actually, um, his his ashes um, in the box. They're, they're all wrapped in the quilt. And it's the whole little bundle in his memory is in our mm-hmm. china cabinet with some special pictures and things wrapped around it. So... It's just a lovely memory of, of my grandmother's legacy and of my dad's also. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I just, I noticed too, when you were talking about, um, my mind runs around in circles, by the way, but you were talking about <laughs> the little okay. things that you're making for the children that you work with. 
and the little hearts, puffy heart pillows or bags. And I just thought, again, that's one more point of connection. And that's just the thread that I see running through your website and all of your pictures and talking to you today is that you're all about forming these points of connection. And I think that must Mm -hmm. serve you really, really well. I, ho- I hope so. My hope and, you know, maybe in, in counseling terms, we call it attachment. So you're wanting to, as the care provider, really help the the folks you're supporting really strengthen the attachments that they have. So that's my hope is that it all helps with that attachment piece that they feel cared for and supported Yeah, not just by me, but by all the people in their life. So I don't, I don't know if you've got specific stories that you that you can tell or not. But I would love if you had one or two, maybe one that's child related, and maybe one that's a more elderly person. That's just um, a story of something almost magical you've seen come out of this nature based therapy that you practice. Okay, well, there's been many moments and I do have to keep it quite general due to privacy and confidentiality, as you understand. But I think speaking generally, it's just so beautiful when and I I can't plan it. These moments really just happen. I try to have all the, you know, the things there that could help these moments come about. But I've had so many little children, especially who you know, they might be nervous or hesitant or unsure when they come for counseling. And then as they start to relax and we build a rapport and they start to know and enjoy the animals and maybe, you know, a lot of children maybe don't get the opportunity to be outside that much or to just play outside in a safe environment. So if we're outside and they're painting and brushing the horses and we're looking, I have lots of little colorful charts about emotions and feelings and they're all outside. Um, As they get more comfortable, usually at the end of a session, we have our wrap up time. Everything I do is very routine based. Um, We have our wrap up time inside the cabin and so many of the children will just kind of flop down into the chair closest to the fire. It's a big armchair and I have woven kind of wool and kind of throw blankets on it and they'll just grab a blanket and grab a stuffy toy and just really be in a place of rest. And that's a a wonderful thing to see. And then that also carries on to when we're doing some therapeutic play, like with the little dollhouse. And I have lots of little um, dolls and animals and everything, and they all get wrapped in their little quilts. (laughs) So there's a real theme of caring. What's the tiniest quilt you've made, Tammy? (laughs) Well, I love to try to make them really tiny because I think they're just so cute. So I've tried about like maybe four inches by six inches, a little teeny tiny patchwork quilt. And they'll wrap little the little quilts I've made around the animals. And some of the quilts are like for Barbies. Those are fun to make. I didn't mention I love doing little Barbie quilts and things too. So yeah, I think it just the quilts really add a dimension of caring and creativity. And it's to me, I just love history and old things and vintage things. And it continues that legacy of quilting that women did for years and years and years, generations. I think it's so important to carry that on. So I do my best to contribute. 
You're doing a great job. And this is just another facet. Quilts have always been about caring, but you're showing just another facet of how they can be. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, Tammy, before we go, I wonder if you have (laughs) some little nugget that you'd like to share with our listeners. It can be about your, your, your daily work or about life or about crafts, anything you like that you'd like to leave with us. Okay. Um, what I'd like to, I always tell this to people. It's just a little, you know, saying to think of and maybe keep in mind. I do it for myself as well. And I encourage others that I support. Don't suffer. Don't suffer. If you're hurting or in emotional distress or you're stressed or anxious, or you just don't even know what's going on, but there's something not right. And it might be mental health related. Um, you know, reach out and try to get help. And, and if you kind of hit a wall or you don't find somebody who's understanding, keep trying. There is, um, I don't know about in the States where you are, Susan, I think there's a number of them, but there are crisis lines. There's mental health support lines that are available now 24 seven often. Um, they can be specific to your region. Some are nationwide and reach out. You don't have to be in crisis to call a crisis line. You can call and just say, you know what? I need someone to talk to me for a little bit, or I need to talk to somebody. Many of the lines are also like referral lines, so they can let you know maybe what's available in your community, Mm -hmm. um, what else might be helpful. So that's kind of one thought. You know, don't suffer if you're hurting or need help. Just start reaching out and keep trying to connect with somebody. You are worth it. So there are answers. There are answers. There's support out there for sure. Yeah, there can be help for everyone. Great. Well, Tammy, I have so appreciated you spending this time with me today. And I wish you all the best. as you. It's spring as we talk. So you're embarking on a beautiful season, I'm sure outdoors with your people okay and if it's okay there is something i'd like to add absolutely do it will that work okay um i just started an instagram page and it's called little cabin quilts okay and i'll I'll put a link for that in our show notes too Sure, if you want to. It's just very informal. I'm not an Instagrammer or influencer or anything like that. But I just take pictures of the things I'm working on (laughs) and put it out there. And I really, I really enjoy seeing, um, you know, pictures of other people's quilts. What I love about your podcast is that it's really helped me find a bit of confidence to just, you know, everybody had to start somewhere. And I, I look at some of the pictures of the quilts, the quilters on your podcast and some others have done. And I think, wow, like I don't have to be doing that right away. I'm just going to start doing what I'm doing. And it's been a really neat journey. Well, I appreciate that because the truth is you don't have to do anything at any point. You're making quilts for the, for the joy that it brings you and the joy of giving. And that's all that matters ultimately. Okay. Well, thanks again for being with me. And I I look forward actually to checking back with you in a year or two's time. And I'd like to keep up on how you're on the process of your, of your therapy and your farm. It's just a beautiful thing. For sure. Thank you. You're most welcome to do. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on the listening app of your choice? 
And please, please do share this episode with your friends that you think would enjoy it. I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, or you are one, email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.